Whoa! Pick up your lager, it's time for Saga! Head to the fridge and go grab a lager We're gonna read a comic called Saga It's a space operatic adventure It's not just for geeks, it's for those who love culture Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings It's a brilliant mashup of all of your favourite things A girl with wings and a guy with horns They're trying to protect their lovely little newborn A cat who spots lies, a babysitter who is dead There's even a man with the television for a head He's got a television for a head. Whoa, that's right, the chief is back. You thought you've had enough of the chief. I thought I'd had enough of the chief, but I'm back. If you don't know me, a lot of you won't. I am a guy who just loves doing podcasts. I think this is number seven, um, and it's the only one I'm doing because all the rest have died by the wayside, apart from one which is still going. Uh, carried on by some wonderful co host there, but that is for another time. Listen, what are we doing here right now? Comics, I love comics. You love comics, except you just don't know it yet. But after this podcast, you will love comics. Now, there was a comic which came out, uh, I think it was in 2012, published by Image, uh, a publishing company. It was called Saga. And this was a comic, it's a sci-fi comic, and it kind of was one of the front runners of Bridging the Gap. Um, with, with another comic as well called Walking Dead, which a lot of people might be familiar with from the TV show, but that started as a comic, and Saga really did kind of bridge the gap between comic readers, and it infiltrated, its tendrils worked their way into non-comic reading hands. And so what I'm going to do here, with the help of a couple of special guests, is we're going to reread this comic, because it's now... Um, between well, between March 2012 and July 2016, 54 monthly issues were published. The creators took a five-year break, can you believe it? And now in well, January 22 of this year, they relaunched the comic with issue 55 because it's 108 planned issues, so they're halfway through. So we've got plenty of time to catch up with this. So Saga is a book that is written by Brian K. Vaughan. He's done many stuff across many publishers. He did a, a comic book called The Runaways, which I don't watch much TV, but I think Runaways might have been optioned for a TV show or, or was made into one. He did a book called Ex Machina, Paper Girls, which I know one of my guests' husband uh, is uh, a big fan of that book, Paper Girls. Uh, Why the Last Man, which I think also got turned into a TV show. Again, I could be wrong. I don't watch much TV. Uh, and artistically, it's drawn by Fiona Staples. She is amazing. Did a book called DV8. Did a book called Thunder Agents for DC Comics. Archie, and most famous for this book. But in this, listen, enough of my waffle. I want to hear about the two people, or you want to hear about the two people that I've got on my show. So firstly, uh, we've got a very super successful entrepreneur. Um, she is creating waves across the scene of play. That's right, you've heard it play. Now, a researcher, uh, one of the world, I say the world's leading expert on play. She's going to tell you why you need to play more, why everyone needs more play in their life, why do more play and you live longer and you will be happier. It's uh, Emma Warolo. How are you, my friend? Hello, that was a very lovely intro. Thank you. Well, tell the people, tell the people, because I butchered it, tell the people what, what, what you do. <laughs> Yeah, well, I have a background in research, uh, children's and family research. Um, but yeah, I exited the corporate world about a year ago. And mm. now I'm just, I've just sort of become the Pied Piper of play. So I, uh, I'm a writer, I'm a researcher, content creator, 
um, do some consultancy. I do, I do all sorts. Yeah, I have, you love it. I have many, many plates spinning. Um, but yeah, my but my big thing is play. I have um, a sort of background in research and understanding play, and I like to inspire and motivate people, especially grown ups, to get more play in their life. And I'm really interested in the psychology and what it does to the old plasticity in our brain when we play more and this is definitely playtime for me this is pure exploration and um yeah fun thinking about this with emma here with us uh, hopefully we can bring some play to some adults out there because i will stress having we've all having read issue one of this comic it is not a kid-friendly comic no there, um so uh yes no, this is play for adults it's not a bedtime story no it's not but i'm hoping that some of my community might have found their way over here and might have thought oh i'll have a little try of this i'll read in a different way try something new um yeah so i'm hoping some people will have joined me here okay cool so at least we've got one guest who is intelligent articulate and is going to keep us in our place because the other person we've got is uh my buddy d dubs Dave, I think you actually have met Emma. Well, you've met once before when we journeyed down to their house, I believe. Is that oh, correct? Oh, yeah, you came for okay. a play date. You Just both came with your toys. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, play dates. We haven't yeah, had one we, in ages. We love to play as Good. well. But um, listen, I've got Dave on because he is a lifelong comic fan. We bonded over comics. And he is also, importantly, an aspiring and successful independent comic book writer himself. So I wanted to get someone in who is going to hopefully help me understand some of these writing tropes and... Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> writing oh style. That's not good. Don't set the bar too high. We've only going, just back is, going back is Kickstarter, The Hordes of Surrey, issue three out now. We'll put links at the end. Yeah, um, thank you very but much. But listen, let's, uh, let's cut the waffle, as I've said already. I'm waffling again. But this book, Saga, it's a good one. It's a, can we at least agree on that? Yeah, it's incredible. I'm, I'm in. Yeah, absolutely. You're Okay, fine, because that was actually going to be one of my questions. Um, very brief synopsis for those who don't know. So like I said earlier, it is a sci-fi book. It centres around a couple, but the couple come from different warring sides, different species that get to... It's kind of a Romeo and Juliet-esque feel to that. Um, they have a kid. That's not a spoiler. Well, it is a spoiler, but it happens literally on page three of issue one. And then they're on the run. They're being hunted, and it's it's how is their life as a family, going to be affected by all these things. There's tons of themes, adult themes, running through this whole saga, if you'll excuse the pun. And we're just along for the for the journey, along for the ride now. Now, I, the first thing I want to say is quite a controversial cover. Now, I've got the big hardback collected edition. I think you guys might have the soft trade uh, paperback. Then? So the one I've got is the kid real zoomed in breastfeeding. And I think the general cover is just a, a zoomed out version of the kid breastfeeding yeah, yeah. um yeah, and in it. fact uh, apple did pull that from their ios that they, they they blocked it and they said no nope, oh, we're really? not having this oh, apple. so censorship so it's funny censorship when you said from apple it, on issue one when you said in the intro that um this is broken through to the mainstream i was kind of like has it because yeah this is a really adult comic like off the bat off the first panel off the cover as you say so i'm kind of surprised that it's ended up being such am a i smash? making that up i don't know i feel like it has oh, even though if you, you asked me do i know anyone outside I of believe everything you say chief that has read saga my answer is actually no but i know your good lady wife has and she's not a comic book reader 
Yep, absolutely. She's not totally up to date, but it was coming out too slowly for her, at least in um, trade paperback. So she fell off, but she's gonna. Yep, yeah, she's gonna rejoin. The, the only reason on the I assumed it had semi, you know, crossed over between comic geeks and you know regular people uh, is that the the initial trade paperbacks, which for those not in the know means a collected edition. So comics generally come out on a monthly schedule which is quite harsh for non-comic fans to understand. You read issue one, which might only be 20, this one is 48 pages, but a standard comic is 22 pages. You read that, and then you've got to wait one month to get your next 22-page mm-hmm. hit. Then you've got to wait another month, and that, yep. for the, the general public, I think is not, it's not a sustainable model, or it's not a model which is going to get people coming back. But the introduction many, many, many years ago of the trade paperback, which effectively collects story arcs, which is what you'll get in your general bookshops, you know, five or six issues bound together and you get the whole story in one hit, uh, is that can make its way over. And it outsold The Walking Dead, which is the most popular comic image publishing had ever had. So that made me think that, you know, it had crossed over. And I know Ben, your husband, Emma, had had talked about and bought Saga as well. Yeah, I've got them all together and that's much preferable to me. Uh, I think as someone who is a regular person, (laughs) 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 representing the regular people, not how I'd normally describe myself. Yeah, I I can see why it would bring in different audiences. I'm not massively into comic books. I recently read my first one, which was um, called Mum, which was written by the Mother of Dragons. I mean, that's not her yes. official name. Um, Amelia, oh, yeah. what's her name? Yeah, Amelia, Amelia Clark. Clark. And I love that. Clark. And I did yes. those three series. Um, right. And yep. I really like this too. There's a lot of sort of quite female-centric humour in it, which I really appreciated. And I, yeah, the reason the reason I'm not massively into comics is because... I mean, I'm generalizing, but the suit, they're all about superheroes and I'm not so, it just doesn't really captivate me, the superhero sort of narrative, that sort of experimenting with power and um, yeah, the kind of, the sort of, the, the character flaws and I'm sure there's a superhero for everyone, but I just, I mean, I go and see Avengers and things like that, but it's just, I just, I don't know, it's just not my thing. So that's why I've never really got into comics. Yeah, I think, Dave, you will, I'm going to, I'm going to make an assumption here from, from what we have discussed previously, but, you know, we both started off liking superheroes. I still do read some heroes comic books, but I know you have pretty much, apart from Batman, walked away from reading superhero comics and you now read a lot of sci-fi or uh, noir or crime-based or you know non-superhero books is that fair yeah absolutely pretty much the majority of what i read is is by publishers like image um the old vertigo i don't even know vertigo's come back but um that imprint from dc yeah i started with batman and read a bit of marvel but there's just how do you keep up with marvel there's infinite variations on the same characters and they repeat the same types of story and you know it's all very um but to your point uh, then, Emma, there's, and this is one of the barriers that comics faces, there are a multitude of great, great books out there which aren't superhero-based. Yeah. But how does how do yes. the non-comic book readers know that? Because there's no you know, advertising or there's no promotion for these non-superhero books that's going to weed its way into the, 
the 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 vision or the the circle for non-comic book readers but what we're going to do that's a that's a great shout what we're going to do at the end of each episode we're going to post up on the socials a few recommendations or me and Mm. dave will a few non non superhero recommendations um so look out for those but i'm going to just draw your attention to the the opening here's the dialogue (laughs) and like i say uh, it's not for kids here's the opening dialogue from the first two panels of the of the book so you can get an idea so panel what page one big close-up lady's head and she says am i shitting it feels like i'm shitting (laughs) panel two said lady on her back on a table uh male with his head up her dress uh just keep pushing we're so close uh the female seriously you'll never have sex with me again if i defecate all over you unless you're secretly into that please don't be into that and that is how it means to that, go on. That's, that's what hooked me in. I was like, yep. this is uh, yeah. this is relatable. That's the start, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is that is a Marmite start to a yeah. comic. Either you're fully in or you're fully out. On yeah, no, that's a, fair, that's a fair shout. And I think they, because this is a creator-owned book, and what that means is, you know, if you go and work for these big publishing houses, generally whatever you do, you draw Spider-Man, Marvel owns that, you know, and they're going to editorially dictate what stories you can uh, write and create but this is um, creator owned by these guys so they can literally blank canvas they're going to do what they like and image comics will publish whatever they write and draw so you know they they, they just said look if this comic book sells five thousand a month if it sells twenty five thousand a month this is what we're going to do which is quite admirable i liked the exploration of childbirth through the medium of a comic that's not really something that i've ever seen before and the same with those Amelia Clark um, comics as well, which are all about exploring sort of female hormones and menstruation and all of these kind of um, sort of, yeah, sort of like very sort of like women's um, things to do with women's bodies, women's experiences. And I obviously consume a lot of content and read about those sorts of things, but mostly I was thinking it either it's it's coming now from a lot of like realness like real sort of people on the internet or whatever or but to sort of see it in a comic like this um and the same for those other ones I read as well it was (laughs) I just really enjoyed it and I just found it really funny um but also through this more sort of fantasy lens and the way that you read a comic is so different to how you read a book and I actually kind of really enjoy that it's a it's a really different thing isn't it that's happening in your mind because you're you're sort of like absorbing the images and you're reading the dialogue and it's not like because when I get to the end I think oh it's actually taken me you know it's, it took me like half an hour 40 minutes to read that and then when I look back at how many pages I sort of think oh it doesn't you know, there's not a lot of words in there, but it's such a different processing experience. And I think I really enjoyed, yeah, like the birth opening scene um, through this medium. I just found it, I just found it really funny and slightly crazy because she, like she's got wings and he's got horns and he's like biting the umbilical cord, but at the same time, quite relatable. <laughs> That's what it is. I love the fact that it's, it's the, I hate to use such a cheesy word as juxtaposition, but it's this kind of sci-fi aesthetic and it's really cool and it reminds you of Star Wars quite quickly, I think. But at the same time, it's the the reality of normal, non-sci-fi life that most, uh, several of us, all of us on this call have been through, you know, having a child and 
the labour and the birth and all of that. It's just straight away, going straight to that kind of material is incredible, really. I've never seen it before. Initially, straight off the bat, like you touched on Emma, it's a fantasy world. She's got wings, he's got horns, and yet the activities they're doing are relatable to us as humans on a non-fiction planet, you know, um, and they're not using superhero dialogue. They're just using, she's swearing, you know, they're just, you know, holy fuck as she's trying to give birth. It's, you know, it's just, it's... And they're talking about stuff um, about childbirth that even we don't talk about with other adults until... Yeah, I mean, you you probably only talk about these things with your other half or some of your closest friends. And it's right here, you know, in the yeah, first Yeah, and I like how it's prioritising really sort of menial things, like they're arguing over the name, like before explaining yeah. why they got horns and wings. <laughs> and they're just arguing over the name. And I, I like that. There's, there's a, it's, it's, it's quite easy uh, when you're making content to just put all that exposition up front. And just say, right, I'm going to have yeah. to explain to my readers or my viewers or my listeners what's going on so that they can follow along. But you've not, they've not done that at all. They're going to like, we're going to hook them with these, the, this relationship between these characters and this, where the storyline could potentially lead. And then we might drop in some ex- explanations as we go. But if we can hook them early, which, which is, is, is very clever stuff. And, you know, they drop a few little nuggets here because why he's biting the umbilical cord is, you know, he says, I made a vow, Alana. So the girl is called Alana, he's called Marco. Uh, I'm a father now, not a soldier, and that blade is never again leaving this scabbard. So that's a bit of foreboding, because clearly it is going to leave the scabbard again, and it's going to be <laughs> a monumental moment, and it's probably going to affect him when yeah. it does. Now, I, I've got the beauty of having read these 54 issues, but I've got the beauty of having a terrible memory, which means I cannot remember pretty much <laughs> anything that's happened. Yep. So it's brilliant, because it's almost like it's new to me again. It's also because Saga is, I mean, one of the most soap opery comics of all time. It's just cliffhanger after cliffhanger after cliffhanger. And in a good way. You know, that's a page turner, of again, of all page turners. So, yeah, I think that's why you forget, because so many twists and turns. You, you kind of have to read... Sometimes when I would get a new trade, I'd have to reread the previous one to remember all the shenanigans that have happened. In, yeah, yeah just and the beauty of that is, that's not a bad thing. Because it just means you get no, to read it all again. It Alana has some great yeah. one-liners. Like, she's such yeah. a badass. Like, when they bust through and she's like, suck my hemorrhoids. <laughs> that really made me laugh yeah. out loud. <laughs> yeah, they've yeah. made... What they've done here is they've, you know, they've made her. She is the kind of foul-mouthed, all-action go-getter. And Marco yeah, is an ex-soldier ex soldier who is almost a damsel. He's, a, he's, he's now a pacifist almost. And you know, yeah. strong female characters and, you know, um, he's obviously going to be thrust into action at some point, but it's, it's it's cool. It's just, you know, they're making the characters likeable and if you don't like the lead characters, why are you going to bother continuing to read? But there's a man with a television for a head. There he is. Yeah, the, the bonking TVs, I was a bit like, okay. I'm on it now. It's doggy style, a guy with a robot head giving it to a lady with a robot head. Uh, can I just say that this is um, a robot head man, as you say, doggy style, with his wife, who you can get a Funko Pop. Can of, you really? Which okay. yeah, I've got it. It's okay. on my shelf in my in my is son's the Funko room. Pop naked. He hasn't read the comic. Just right. to be clear, okay. no, it's yeah. fully clothed. Prince Thanks Robe, Prince Robot uh, Four, is it? Yeah, 
So when I bought that and I put it on the shelf thinking, that's a cool little figure, isn't it? I completely forgot what his introduction <laughs> to the world of soccer okay. was. But they're just doing yeah, things that people do. Sometime. So, you know, why not show it? He's a big it? horny TV um, head. But he can't, just not he can't, he's got some issues here performing because he's thinking of a dead rhino horn. But he, he does make mention of he's just come back from one of the most traumatic war experiences there there is. Because I, I think... Um, Marco is from, uh, so there's a planet called Landfall, which is Alana, she's the winged race. Uh, and Marco is from Wreath, which is the moon orbiting that planet. And these are at war. We don't know the precise details of how that started. That will hopefully be explained later. But other nations, other planets have been, have had to choose sides in this, in this conflict. And Prince Robot is part of a royal family, the, the Blue Bloods, I think they're called. And... He's been out on some two-year mission or war engagement, and now he just he's just got back, and he wants to start a family. But um, you know, he's now being tasked with the king, which I'm going to guess is his father, um, who we haven't seen yet, to to now hunt down because this is big news and and other themes running through here. I think uh, when Marco says something, when they're busted, they've just had the kid, they're busted in on by some military trying to get hold of them. He speaks, and one of the guys says. Is he using the language or some mm. words to that effect? So you know, it's there's a, a massive animosity and um, racism between these two races, and you know, they, it's it's been deemed. You know, they, they've got a kid, and they're like, oh, he must have raped her, because yeah. no, no, yeah, um, no, someone from Landfall and, and Wreath. I don't know what the actual Wreath is. It Wreath. They call them Moonies, I think, if they're from the Moon. Uh, they they yeah. would never naturally go together. So it's it's playing with big themes. Yeah, absolutely. And what I like about this, um, when it does do some exposition, it's very carefully crafted and subtle. And it talks about the fact that because Wreath, so the small, the moon of the giant planet, um, because it, it's orbiting, they cannot kind of, I guess, take the step of nuclear weapons or whatever they have. So they can't just decimate each other because the moon would go out of orbit and it would affect, yeah, destroy their own planet. So therefore they have to kind of, okay, we're going to carry on this war, but we're just going to do it on someone else's planet and destroy their planet. <laughs> and they kind of outsource the war, I think it says. Yeah, which is, I, I thought that was quite amusing, which is where the um, TV head people come in. They, they, they cleverly use other touch points that are re- relatable or familiar to us. So there's one, there's one scene where there's a guy, he's, he's about to go and meet Prince Robot and he's on, a, he's on his phone. And he's like, oh, I'm just trying to download this app. And it's like, oh, cool. So it's, it's not like all space age gadgets that work completely differently. Oh, he's on a phone. He's just trying to download an app, which again tries to entrench it in the familiar. And, you know, there's a, there's a freelance a bounty hunter called The Will. And he's like, oh, I'm going to talk to my union rep about this. Yeah, so, that's good. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's funny. There's some funny dialogue. But, they, you know, it's, it's those touches which, okay, cool. It's not completely out of my grasp to understand what's I going really on. I really like that whole scene with The Will. Um, I thought that was really interesting. And when that lady with the big unicorn horn came down. And what I liked is when she said, for the record, I detest freelancers. Like she's hiring in a kind of like business consultant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever feel yeah. like that? <laughs> this is the word freelancers in there. Was, that was really good. Yeah. And I like yeah. his cat. And he's got his a cat, cat conti- called a yeah, lion cat. I love the lion cat. Knows when people are lying. And she's, yeah. the first thing she says, the cat's just like lying. <laughs> they also touch on as well, early on in 
in the book they've just had the kid and then she says they're gonna she wants to do a uh, a, a wing blooding or something yeah. like that um, and he's like no that's mutilation yeah. so oh, yeah, yeah. you know and, and and again that's i guess touching on cultural um cultural mm. norms yeah. that are completely alien to other 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 people yeah the cultural touch points as you say and yeah and that amount of work coming through in the very first issue is quite amazing try making an attempt to write comics myself um yeah my first comic doesn't have any of that kind of depth and layering in it i just started writing a story like oh he, i found something and now i'm gonna go over there and tell my friends and then we're gonna go over there um yeah this is high level comic writing yeah. I would well say. emma you've written you probably write content every day and it's not easy no it's not and i think one of the things that's quite clever here is you get these these sort of whispers of the child hazel and it's sort of it's it's this mm. sort of layering of we're in the story with marco and alana but we've also got this narration from the baby obviously as a grown up and mm. sometimes that can i can find that a little bit irritating but it does work really well and it kind of just floats in at the right places and it feels yeah it really is quite compelling because right from the off I'm like ooh, she does grow up and who is she gonna be and like what is her story gonna be yeah yeah because we've only seen her as a baby but if she's narrating this story she's has survived who else is going to survive and there's a really cool line of dialogue from her narration on page 29 and she says from my very first day i was pursued by men all of them tried to hurt me but only one managed to break my heart and you're like oh my god who, what what is yeah. that storyline where she's gonna get her heart broken i'm like yeah. i need to know that yeah. i like the way you said um emma the floating mm. it kind of floats in and the way that the actual um the the narration is written i mean it's mm. kind of just floating there there's no it's not in a caption um, boxes no, around just... it yeah there's no caption box it's very free form and it's kind of bold and they're just i'm just gonna write it like this and screw you and screw tradition and screw the norm i'm just gonna write this in a way that feels right for the story and it really it really sort of adds to the empathy for the two main characters because i feel like you're i mean they're obviously the heroes, so you're sort of on their side anyway. But even more so, yeah. her voice adds to that, and you are so rooting for them. I think partly because you're you're sort of reading this story that Hazel is telling, so it kind of places you even more with them and on their side. You're kind of reading it as as a child, aren't you? Almost in a kind of with innocent eyes on this, which is quite interesting. Yeah, it's it's very difficult and it's very well done that. I love both these main characters from the off and at the end of the issue I don't want anything bad to happen to them but I know something bad is going to happen to one or both of them at some point in time because that's how stories work but you know they're both yeah. they're but they're both been amazingly in 48 pages have been rounded out to kind of tell us a lot about them as individuals already and even their relationship so it's a very very clever storyline mm. and it's got this cool dialogue and it's got this cool flow to the story. But it's also got tons of action because straight away she's having the kid. Then they're busted yeah. in on. They're, they're in some workshop and she mentions a grease monkey. And then it turns out to be a monkey who's working in Greece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and yeah. then it's an escape story and then they get a treasure map and suddenly it's a treasure hunt story and it kind of does all these cool things without feeling like let's just bolt this on let's just add this in because it's going to be cool yeah, it actually yeah. is there for a purpose and, and justifies being there which is which is nice and i think that that's only possible because it's so intelligently written and the dialogue is so natural and it's got all that that layering that we've mentioned otherwise it would just be like yeah some teenager who's just going oh and then they do this and then they do that and then these people arrive and everyone shoots everyone and then they run away and they escape on the spaceship um yeah it, but it totally works for future when i yeah. first saw that lady with the massive horn coming down the stairs i was like "Ooh, she's gonna be like sort of like sexy unicorn lady and then as it went through to the bottom panel i was like oh no she's kind of like got emperor vibes <laughs> yeah oh she has yeah, yeah she has look at that now um i'm gonna quickly just squeeze back to something you said earlier about reading comics and consuming it in a different way to books now uh, mrs chief is a massive fiction book reader she will read one sometimes even two whole novels in a week um and a l- pretty much once a week i will say to her oh, i've got a cool comic that you might enjoy um and she her, she does a one-line response which is i don't know how to read them and i'm like okay well you you read the words on the page and kind of follow the panel to panel and she'll just repeat i don't know how to read them so i've just given up now um so I, but it is yeah. a different it is a different reading experience she's stuck it in her ways yeah, she is she's very <laughs> stubborn but it is a different reading experience and you can you know that the art can sometimes get in the way of the text i find myself sometimes reading the words and then moving to the next panel without having looked at what the pictures were depicting yeah i have that problem with comics so what I, what I like to do now is kind of almost take the page in read some of the text, look at the pictures, maybe look at the text again, which means my reading experience is increasing in length. Um, yeah, I, how do, how do you, yeah, how do you no, attack I, it? Emma? I actually really re- resonate with um, Louise because I also had the same feeling because when you love books, it's, it's, it's really jarring going to a comic because it's a different process of using your imagination. So when you're just reading words you are forming the images yourself and that's part of the enjoyment, that's part of the escapism and it happens organically without you being like, I need my brain to imagine these things visually. It just sort of happens. Whereas with a comic, it's like you are, you're sort of responding to all of this like amazing, like really visceral stimulus and it's a different process of almost like stepping into it and sort of, being being in it in this sort of um in this world that's been created for you with little dialogue so there is a sort of filling in the gaps a bit whereas you don't have that with books everything is filled in because it's it's so descriptive and detailed um so it is it is a different different way of flexing your imagination i think i open the page and almost like have a glance and take it all in and then i just go panel by panel and I always start with the words first and just I just try and follow it along quite logically but then I always have to go back because I feel like oh I've read it really fast and then I have to go back and like look at the detail that's what I do even years after yeah I've been comments for years I still find myself oh I've read the whole page I haven't really looked at the pictures But, but like you said Emma your brain's got to do two things it's got to understand the words and then it's got to correlate those to the imagery that you're being just being forced into your eyeballs yeah and it is amazing Um, how you're when you're you're reading you're so used you know left to right left to right page to page whereas 
there are boxes the panels can be different sizes um yeah most definitely it moves around and i think does mom did mom have that as well where it's a very funky page layout very some funky of the pages. yeah and i think that actually does take a bit of time to get used to and i i found that a little bit uncomfortable at first because i was almost like trying to get it right i was like concentrating on trying to get it right and i think i'd think like oh if i read one out of order that's a disaster <laughs> um and yeah, and I think just, you know, you sort of relax into it, don't you? And you just sort of, it becomes a, a bit more natural. I still sometimes, yeah, I sometimes still find myself reading panels in the wrong order. If it's not a, a typical layout, yeah, I'll be like, oh, I've gone across. No, I've gone uh, on the left-hand side. I've just gone left, right, left, right, left, right. But I was supposed to go all the way across to the other page, across the top and then across the middle. And then, oh, whoops. But it is, it's it's such a, a rich story experience reading a comic a lot of people are really snobby that comics aren't real books and like my son is a really sort of kinesthetic learner and he is really stimulated by visuals so always get him graphic novels he loves graphic novels and there's some amazing ones now for kids but you know there's still sort of like you know some teachers and points of view out there that don't think it's proper reading but it's just it's it's I mean, reading is about imagination and, you know, really sort of immersing yourself in a story and characters. And that it happens, that happens at such a deep level with comics. I did, I probably didn't really understand myself until I'd found some stories that I connected with. And it's like I said, that feeling, because you are really in flow and you sort of come out of it and you're like, oh, it's been like 40 minutes. And, you know, it's only a few pages. Whereas if, if, if I spent 40 minutes on, you know, the novel that I'm reading at the moment... I'd get through quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> I fall asleep after two pages. <laughs> um, it's like it's like you said the the content has to be something that's going to interest you. So it's no good you reading a an Iron Man or a Captain America oh, God, book no. because you might be able to read it, but you're not necessarily going to enjoy it, or you might want to give up halfway through. Same thing with movies. You're not going to go and watch a genre of movie that you have no interest in. Um, but for you know, the, the the hard part is non-comic readers. How do you find something that is going to tickle your yeah, fancy, and so I to think, speak? You know, unfortunately, and, it, and I know it's not the case at all, but to someone like me that's not immersed in this world, it does feel really masculine and intimidating yeah. of sort of when to start. And it doesn't feel like it's for me. So when you said the front cover was controversial, I was like, is it? Is it really controversial? to see a character breastfeeding because it's not to me to me it's like oh this is something that i'll probably be quite interested in yeah and that's probably been the cover of many you know vanity fair magazines or you know whatever it might be they've probably been breastfeeding images on the cover so why should it be it's because you know the macho male audience oh look at this this doesn't sit well with me um but no i don't know it's it's grow up people (laughs) um uh, we haven't really talked about the kind of character design in this, which I think is worth talking about. It's almost, what's the word? It's kind of like trolling almost, I think, the designs. Like TVs for heads. It's kind of like, I don't think there's actually any deeper meaning behind that. Well, I mean, there is in that they can kind of have a, a kind of immediate visual on the screen in this kind of Twitter age of having very short attention span and you need to have an emoticon or something right there on the screen. So I guess there is, but... To some extent, like the the um, the butler on this page is a is a crocodile, and that's not relevant. Um, there's no other crocodiles I don't remember in this, and it's it's almost kind of like 
trolling, but at the same time, it works. Um, and it's quite an empathetic, empathetic, is that the right word? There's, um, no, earnest, sorry. It's, it's very earnest, but at the same time, it's completely silly and out there. Yeah, I think I liked that because I didn't feel like I needed to understand everything too deeply. I didn't feel like I needed to be like, oh, I really understand the whole backstory of these particular rebels or whoever they are. Like, I'd, and it was just like, oh, well, there's a crocodile there and there's TVs on it. Like, everyone's bonkers. <laughs> yeah, and it hasn't it hasn't really given away any about, you know, I don't want a very broad brushstrokes of good guys bad guys which is a horrible no it hasn't it feels but, like but we don't but it know feels like everyone's bad to me when i read yeah. it i was like everyone's yep. at it everyone's just at war with one another i didn't really get a strong sense there's some funky hornhead wreath dudes who pop in which almost let marco and alana escape they wield magic they say oh he's charging up some magic and I think Marco knows them, but they're they're gone after one page. It's like, oh, cool. So was that some of his guys were coming in to help him, or were they also trying to capture him? But he got yeah, away. He I don't know. See, just... He didn't seem that chuffed that they were there. No, no, no. I think they would. They, I think everyone wants wants the baby. Don't yeah, because actually, yeah, you're right. The yeah. the ugly Emperor Hornhead woman. She said, "Kill these two. And he said, you want me to off the baby as well? And she's like, oh, God, no, we need that baby. Uh, so that's a powerful political bargaining tool, I guess. I, also, I think that Alana and Marco are doing really well with their co-parenting in these early days because I noticed that um, it switches. They switch who's carrying the baby, wearing the baby ah, suit. And I, I noticed I it straight that. away, and I loved that little detail. So when they're going through, so she's got the baby in the sling, when they find the map and then when they come out of the sewer he's holding the baby in the carrier and i noticed that and i th- and i thought oh they had a little moment where they they swapped over so you've you've actually hit upon a great segment we're going to do at the end of the episode we're going to give them a co-parent rating out of five. Oh yeah um, i mean they're, they're <laughs> and, it. Yeah. excellent that's they're, a good so shout, i think actually. they're probably going five out of five at the moment for me chief that is a great shout because that is a lot of the theme of this is i think is their relationship with the baby and their maybe not stereotypical approach. Now, look, it's very judgmental and we are judging them massively, uh, but I don't mind that. I'm happy to judge. Uh, and then later on, when they're not potentially on board with each other decision-wise, we might have to give them individual marks. But um, I think at the moment, they're definitely a co. Yeah, they're, they're, they're smashing it. Although I was going to say on that last page, uh, the, she's like, I've got bad breath. He's like, I don't care, I'm going <laughs> to kiss you. And then in the background, there's all these eyes, yeah. these pairs of eyes appear. And I think these are what Marco called the horrors. Yeah. So cliffhanger, I think they're all going to die in the next oh, issue. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> then how will we judge their co-parenting? There was, one, there was one bit that I really loved. And that was when he starts saying, um, we have a family to think about now. And she's like, don't you ever say those words to me. And... I love this. And she says, like, we have a family to think about now is the rallying cry of losers. And I was like, yes, queen. I was like, yes, I love this. Um, Because she's basically, I mean, if you if you sort of cross that over into real normal human life, it's it's to me how I interpret it is like, you know, don't don't stop having adventures. Don't be boring. Like just because you've got a family, don't just do everything, you know, for for your kids that you're expected to do it's like no i want to keep striving i want to keep pushing i want to 
you know do our thing and do it how we want to do it that's how I interpreted that and she's like I want to show our girl the universe and I was like oh I felt felt quite empowered during that bit yeah she's definitely no nonsense and she is you know headstrong and um a great character to root for and again another bit where they're talking about baby names she says something like pico and he's like no that's actually doesn't that's a filthy word in my language uh, and then he's gonna he's saying something and i think he's gonna reference we know we now have hope and he's like and she's like no child yeah. we're not calling her hope <laughs> and she says <laughs> this other bit like my old man threw his life away working a job he hated so he could quote unquote take care of his family and then she says in the end it just turned him into a monster who treated us like crap and it was kind of like mm. you 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 can see that in like our normal non-sci-fi world like you know just taking a job keep the family yep. safe you know doing what you think you're meant to do yeah and then you just end up becoming a really boring miserable person and being mean to your family lots lots to like here big themes big characters well yeah, written well drawn i did also want to say that the big the big monster that the will takes down also oh, yes. looks like yeah. a massive vagina oh yeah it does <laughs> look at that <laughs> yeah but a flaming one which you know goodness less me <laughs> didn't know if that was he's just, got, that's, an, that's, an, that's an interesting was it thing because... am i just reading too much no, into it i'm seeing vaginas <laughs> everywhere <laughs> yeah but um <laughs> well, it's got horns yeah. on it again he, um it's a massive massive creature will pop an image up on the socials and yep. the will the will chucks the gunpowder into his mouth and blows him up and then the will's actually upset he's like you wasted a I beautiful know. creature he loves that uh, on an audition but also he says something like um yeah that's when he says i'm going to speak to my union yeah. rep doesn't he so it's like there are, there's rules to this yeah stuff. yeah there's rules that we don't know about but um and is he a yeah. good guy is he a bad guy i don't know we, we will find out i guess but it's so much is opened so much is open to interpretation which allows the reader to like you said Emma focus in on effectively three people which is Alana Marco and mm. Hazel and all this other wild stuff is going on around them which we've seen snippets of which hasn't been explained but what has been explained is I know she is the mother I know he is the father I know they've got a kid I know they need to get away and keep her safe and that's very clever storytelling I've had a blast reading this one and I had to stop myself from reading the next one. Yeah, I had a little peek. <laughs> what a saga. I mean, what a saga. They are in a right pickle. What a saga. They are <laughs> in a right pickle. So, yeah. Uh, we, what are we going to do next time, guys? Are we going to do two and three, do you think? Or should we just keep it as one at a time for now? Hmm, don't know. We'll decide and you'll find out when we tell you. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's we'll the have way to our, do it. We'll have our lagers next time. Yeah, that's an offline chat. We'll have our lagers. Um, I'm not a massive lager drinker. Uh, I've got a very sore throat today. Don't worry, I did do a COVID test negativo. Uh, what I am on now, though, is... have you, Are you guys familiar with Belvoir? I'm, I'm giving it some French right. accent no. there. It's, it's, they make so. cordials uh, or squashes, for people who don't like the fancy term. Uh, diluting cordial. Um, they do a ginger one, and I've overloaded on a pint of ginger cordial super strong to basically cleanse my throat <laughs> double, double strength, strength ginger yeah. cordial and it's fantastic wow <laughs> yeah that'll clear you right up listen um where can these fine folks if they want to find out more or deep dive on you guys uh emma you first where can the fine people go and find yeah, your work find me on the instagram at playful underscore den do it. I also have a podcast. I should say that. I do a podcast. Of course you do. I have a podcast with my husband, Ben. It's called People Who Play. You should totally listen to it. It's great. Yeah, fantastic. Get some great guests on that show. I'm telling you, much better than me and Dave. 
Dave, where can people find your good work? So anyone that's interested in my comic, uh, which is about uh, teenagers treasure hunting uh, in the British countryside, it's a bit like the Goonies, but with um, the language from the in-betweeners. Um, and again, amazing art. Not as not quite as good as this, but it's 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 really good. And very in keeping with the tone of the comic, you can find The Hordes of Surrey on Kickstarter, or you can find me on Twitter at Wimblet, W-I-M-B-L-E-T-T. Amazingly, there must be at least six Wimblets in the world. I know that for a fact. <laughs> And yeah, I got at Wimblet. You see, so. you got it. You got yeah, that hit. You got that. that uh, yeah, that username. <laughs> Fantastic. If you're if you're lonely or sad enough, or you've got no not much time on your hands, and you want to find out what I'm doing, uh, you can head over to Armageddon. That's like Armageddon. It's like a little play on words, but it's Armageddon. I'm over on Instagram or on Facebook, and I've got a YouTube channel as well where I'm doing random stuff on that uh, in retro geek culture land. Uh, but I've had an absolute blast doing this with you two fine folks, and I want to do it again. So we will. We will. Yeah? Fantastic. Let's do it. Yeah, I can't wait to read this again. And all the way through 50-odd issues and then into the run yeah, that's just lovely started. Yeah, lovely stuff, lovely stuff. I mean, we'll be doing <laughs> um, this forever. Hopefully not. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, okay, guys, that's it from us. Uh, have a good week, but don't have a saga unless it's reading this comic book saga. Laters. Laters.